I'm Pastor Steve, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Friends Church. We are week eight into our 12-week series of the Apostles, and we're just going to jump right into it this morning. We are looking at the Apostle Andrew, and the best thing to do is just to look and see what we can learn about Andrew, what we can gather from his Um, about his life, about his personality, about his characteristics, uh, straight from Scripture. So let's turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, starting with verse 35. And we're going to read a little bit and find out about this Apostle Andrew. It says, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. They went with him to a place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Just in this one passage of scripture, I think we can see several things about Andrew's character, about the person of Andrew that tips us off just a little bit as to who he is. The first thing we see is that he was a disciple of John. He was a disciple of John. Uh, Now, this is not John the Apostle that we talked about last week. If we had started a little earlier in this chapter, you would know that this is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. This was John who was called to go before and announce Christ's coming. He was the one that was called out to go and to call people to repentance. And he would baptize them. And he would say, the Lord is coming and he's coming soon. In fact, he's here now. But John, like Jesus had his disciples, those who would follow him around, and Andrew, the Bible tells us here, was one of those disciples of John the Baptist. But it also tells us that then when John the Baptist said, hey, that's the one, that's Jesus, he, they became followers of Jesus. So he was a disciple of John the Baptist who then became a follower of Jesus. The next thing we see in verse 40 is he was a brother of Peter. So here is Andrew who we don't know much about. In fact, the Bible only tells us about him in six, seven, eight, nine occasions. And and half of those occasions, it's just listing the list of disciples. That's all we know. And just a few instances where we read about Andrew. But we have a whole Bible that's got Peter all over it. Nine books of the Bible mention Peter's name. He's, he's maybe the lead apostle and, and going out and sharing the gospel and through Acts up to the time of Paul. And here's Andrew, his brother, who we know very little about. But we know he is the brother of Simon Peter. Being the brother of Simon Peter, we would know one other thing. And this is confirmed in the next scripture we're going to look at in a little bit. But he was a fisherman. He was part of the fishing business with his brother. So he would be in the boat there side by side, casting the net and hauling in the fish. In fact, He had been right there every time they were talking about this coming Messiah. They'd been sitting there and they'd been talking together. And they were these men, they were these tough men. We talked about that. In fact, the name Andrew itself means manly. So he was this tough guy. 
But we don't know a whole lot more, unlike Peter. But one thing we do know, and it's that verse 42, and it's the critical verse of this passage. It says, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Then Andrew brought Simon, Peter, to meet Jesus. The one thing we see that is consistent in the life of Andrew, whenever we see him in the Gospels, and he's not mentioned other than just his name being mentioned in the list, Andrew is always bringing someone to Jesus. And in this case, we look here, and here he is bringing his brother, the very one that he would sit in the boat with. The guy who he knew was a loudmouth. The guy who he knew at times would be uh, one to speak up and get him in trouble. But in Andrew's heart, as soon as he met Jesus, as soon as he knew who he was, he said, this is a guy you have to meet. I gotta get you to Jesus. And every time we see Andrew, we see the same characteristic coming through. And I wonder what would have happened if instead of this, verse 42, it says, and then he took Simon Peter to meet Jesus, if it would have been, and then he went and took a nap. Or he was hungry, so he went and got a meal. Or maybe he thought about it, he said, you know, that loudmouth Peter, this thing with Jesus, that's pretty cool. I don't want him messing it up. What would have happened what would have happened if Andrew would have kept it to himself? Where would we be today? Where would the church be today? How would the New Testament be different if one man, one man hadn't gone to his brother and said, I've found something, I found something, and you need to meet him. You need to meet him. Andrew is consistently and constantly bringing people to Christ. But not in the way, not in the same way that Peter would. You know, if Peter, if Peter was here today, and he was, let's say instead of a preacher, he was a businessman, and let's say he was specifically, he worked with me in my 30-year career as an accountant. We, we would have a term for someone like Peter. We would call him a rainmaker. A rainmaker. Do you know what a rainmaker is? I know that's a bad word, the kind of weather we've had here the last few weeks. <laughs> so we don't need no rainmakers, right? Well, if you're in business, you love rainmakers because rainmakers bring in all this business. Rainmakers just, just have a way of going out and saying, you need me as your accountant. And they just sign up and they come and money seems to fall from heaven. <laughs> in fact, Wikipedia, I love this description, says this, a rainmaker is a person who brings in new business and wins new accounts almost by magic. Peter was a rainmaker. In fact, you don't believe it. Let's look at Acts chapter two. Now, I've taken a verse at the beginning, a verse at the end, and kind of combined them here. But a summary of Acts chapter two says this. Then Peter stood up with, his, with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a rainmaker. If you can preach and 3,000 come to the Lord, I call that, in spiritual world, a rainmaker. But one thing I learned, one thing out of 30 years of business has told me, rainmakers are few and far between. There's not a lot of rainmakers. The regional accounting firm that I was with for 20 years, we had about 250, between 200 and 300 employees. I was there for 20 years and 250 employees. I can count on my hand. In fact, really, as I think about it, there were only two people that I would consider rainmakers. 
People that we said, we don't care if you ever do a minute's worth of work. Just go out and bring in business. You're so good at it. Go out and be a rainmaker. Bring in the business because when you bring in the business, you're bringing in the money and everybody's happy. You're a rainmaker. I think the same is true in church history. I think the same is true as we look around. There are very few people gifted as spiritual rainmakers. There are very few people that go out and preach and 3,000 are saved in one day. There are very few John Wesleys. There are very few Jonathan Edwards, Dwight L. Moody's, Charles Spurgeon's. There are very few of those people around. There are very few Billy Sundays and Billy Grahams. In fact, I'm guessing, I don't know many of you personally, but I'm guessing if I knew you and as I look around here, there probably is not many Billy Grahams sitting in here. Because if you were a Billy Graham, you'd probably be out this morning in some big stadium preaching and thousands becoming the Lord. And so we look at this and say, okay, if I'm not, if I'm not a rainmaker, what am I? Am I called? But I think we're all called. I know we're all called. In fact, look at this scripture in Matthew chapter four. This is a little later. Jesus comes back. He's gone to the wilderness, he's been tempted, and now he comes back, and it says, one day, chapter four of Matthew, verse 18, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. What I want you to see here is the call to be fishermen was for both Peter and Andrew. The call of Jesus to be a fisherman, to go out and bring people to him, was the same call. It was the same call for the rainmaker and the non rainmaker. It's the same call. We all have the call. So, if Andrew is not a rainmaker, what is he? What is he? Well, Peter was a rainmaker. I have a word for Andrew. It, he comes with a different style. And I call him a plotter. A plotter. Now we look at that and we say, you know, plotter sometimes does not have a great connotation to it. A plotter seems someone slow and not with it, but there was another partner in our firm. His name was Dan. Dan was admitted non-rainmaker. He says, I am not a rainmaker. He didn't have that personality. But he moved from Meadville, Pennsylvania to Naples, Florida with no, no practice, no home, just moved down there and started one of our offices from scratch. And he started it using what he called the plotting method. He said, what I'm going to do is every day I'm going to do one thing. One thing every day. I'm going to be a plotter. And when we meet together, he talked about his plotting method. And he says, I, all I will do is one day, every day, one time a day, I will go out to lunch with somebody. If I'm not going out to lunch with somebody, I'll make one phone call. We call these PD activities, professional development. I'm going to call a prospective client. I'm going to call a resource. If I can't call and I can't meet, I'm going to send one letter. Maybe it's a thank you letter. I'm going to do one thing every day. 
and it's the Pilates method. And he grew this practice that was just incredible. And he said, I'm not a rainmaker. I'm a plotter. And I look at this, I look at Andrew, and I see characteristics of what I think a plotter is. I think a plotter is consistent, and I think a plotter is steady. For instance, John chapter 6, we see Andrew again. Starting in verse three, then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Some version said, said to Jesus, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is this with that huge crowd? I see several attributes of a plotter here. First of all, and I don't know if this would bug you, but in that verse eight, John writing this, he couldn't just say Andrew. He had to say Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. You know, after all these years, no one knew who Andrew was. Andrew, this quiet one. You know, Andrew is the type that was behind the scenes. We don't see much of Andrew. We don't hear much of Andrew. He was content to have others get the glory. He was content to let Peter be the showboat, the upfront guy, and say, I will just be steady. He said, I don't need the glory. I'm content. I don't need the fame. I can go on as unknown. We don't see jealousy when others get glory here. I also see that uh, he saw the smallest attribute in somebody. He was observant. I think sometimes the rainmakers, when trying to see the big picture and, and looking, I wonder what Peter was thinking right now. I'm thinking Peter's even saying, we got no shot here. This is, this is totally no, no chance anything happening here. Or maybe he's devising some kind of plan. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. Where Andrew says, I see somebody that has something that they can give to Jesus. And we see Andrew bringing this boy to Jesus. He's consistent, he's humble. He doesn't overlook the small or the insignificant. He's observant. And I see those qualities in a plotter. Somebody who says, I don't need the glory in the church. I don't need to be the upfront person, but I will continue to look and I'll continue to serve and be obedient. I'll continue to be humble and I'll continue to look and bring these small things to the Lord. I see somebody, I see somebody that has a need, I bring it to the Lord. I see somebody that has some resources, I say, hey, what could Jesus do with that? Introduce him to the Lord. That's a plotter. Behind the scenes, not seeking glory. How about this? John chapter 12, the next time we see Andrew. It says some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it. And they went together to ask Jesus. 
What do you see here? Well, first of all, we see some Greeks who have come in here at Passover time, and this is right before Christ was to go through the crucifixion, and, but at this point, he was still a popular figure, and people were surrounding him. In fact, they'd heard things like he had raised Lazarus from the dead, and, and, and he'd healed diseases, and people were just coming in mass, and these Greeks undoubtedly who'd come for the Passover had heard this, and he said, we got to meet this guy. We got to meet him. We got to talk to him. Can you get us in? And so they went to the other guy with a Greek-sounding name, Philip. And he said, hey, can you get us in? And for some reason, Philip said, well, Andrew can. (laughs) And again, we see Andrew bringing someone to Jesus. What we see here is a consistency. We see a pattern. I think we also see persistence. Because Jesus would have been surrounded by people. He'd have been surrounded by crowds, but it was Andrew who would be persistent enough to get these people to Jesus and say, I will show you the way. I will take you to Jesus. In fact, Andrew here is considered and attributed to be the first foreign missionary because this is the first time in scripture where we see a foreigner being brought to Jesus by one of his disciples. So this consistent, quiet, doesn't need the glory individual, reaches out And this plotter is the first foreign missionary. The plotter is the first foreign missionary. He's the first one to reach out beyond the stereotypes that they have. And I think that reminds us that the command to go is not just for rainmakers. The command to go is rainmakers and it's plotters. In fact, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all nations. Notice it was all disciples. It wasn't just the rainmakers. It wasn't just Peter. But this was all disciples. All individuals are called to go. We are called to be plotters. And I think, I can say this, I know Any pastor would love to have a church full of plotters. (laughs) We don't need rainmakers. Oh, we need rainmakers, but they're few and far between. We need plotters. We're all called to be plotters, one at a time, winning one at a time, doing one good deed a day, reaching out to that individual and introducing them to Jesus. The call of Jesus is to go, and it's not just for rainmakers. You know, it might have started with Andrew, but God has been using plotters to change the world forever. Let me tell you one story, one story of a plotter that changed the world. Her name was Esther Butler. Esther Butler was a plotter. Esther Butler is from my hometown, Damascus, Ohio. In 1885, this school teacher, this one woman, single woman, school teacher, wrote a letter to the mission board of Ohio Yearly Meeting of Friends. She said, here I am a school teacher, I don't have much to offer, but you know, if there is someone that needs me to go to China to do medical work, to work with those that are hurting, those that are ill, I'd love to do it, I'm willing to do it. That was in the summer of 1885. That very same day that her letter arrived, the very same day that her letter arrived at that secretary's office of the mission board, there was another letter. And it came from Mrs. Robert Beebe, 
Mrs. Robert Beebe was writing on behalf of her husband, and she said this, my husband is a medical missionary in Nanking, China, and he wanted to know if there's any Quaker girls who would like to come and minister to the ill. The very same day. Esther Butler, a single young Quaker girl, said, I want to go serve. And the very same day, a letter arrives. Well, our missions board at that time and our leadership was smart enough and intelligent enough and, and in tune with the spirit enough to say, this is more than just a coincidence. And then, so they said, let's send her. So they sent her to Chicago for a year for training. And then in 1887, she boarded a ship 35 days later, arriving in Shanghai, China. She got there and she took then the trip on into Nanking, which is now Nanjing. And listen to this. Over the next 12 years, from 1887 to 1899, her and the next six single women who followed with her went to minister there. And her goal was not to just work in that Methodist hospital. But two years later, in the middle of Nanking, she bought two acres of land. Just after that, the first two ladies that were there, her and the next one to arrive, built a building called the Quakerage. It housed the mission home, and it housed the administrative offices. Just a few years later, with a few more women there, she built the training school. A few years later, after a couple of those women that came were doctors, she built the first missionary hospital for friends. Just a few years later, they went from Nanking, 25 miles north, to Luho and started the second missionary work. And get this, that was before the first man from Eastern Region or Ohio Friends showed up. That was woman power. Plotters, led by one woman, Esther Butler, who said, I will change my world. One at a time. She went there. Well, you, maybe you know the story. We sent missionaries over the years, 60 years, 40 missionaries went, 32 of them were single women, women. 32 out of 40. The work grew, the work blossomed. Unfortunately, in 1950, because of the communist takeover, because it was so dangerous, they had to flee. In late 1950, the last three missionaries, Charles and Elsie Maddie and Ella Ruth Hudson, were forced to leave. And we were left without a mission work to the Chinese people. And it was like, what do we do now? Well, it was three years later, 1953, the folks had been praying and researching, and at Yurti meeting in the summer of 1953, 60 years ago this summer, in this building, the Yurti meeting house in Damascus, Ohio, they met, and they said, let's send missionaries to Taiwan. Now, let me tell you something. This is a little personal. This, this building that you see here, the west wall, the west end of the building, which is that end, if you go there and you pace 150 feet, you'll be in my parents' kitchen. I grew up 150 feet from this. That yard here to the north is where we played football all the time. Every, every, every night we play football there. If we want football, we play baseball. Except there's a roads and there was a house and that was pretty bad news sometimes. Um, if, if, it, if we would have had soccer back in the 60s and 70s, we would, have, we would have played soccer. But I don't think any of us ever heard of soccer in the 60s and 70s. So I grew up here. And that decision was made in Damascus to send missionaries 
to Taiwan. And so in 1953, the last three missionaries in China, Charles and Elsie Maddy and Ella Ruth Hudson, boarded a ship and they headed to Zhawi, Taiwan, which is just about where the T is in that picture there. And that work right away took off. And it just blossomed. And a, and a year later, they sent uh, Howard and Mary Evelyn Moore. And, and you know, maybe you know the story, the Duvalls and the, and the, and the Branninghams and all those that have gone on and been part of that work there. And the work grew and it multiplied and it just went crazy. And in fact, in 1977, it was deemed no longer to be a mission field. They were on their own self-supporting. They were a yearly meeting. And this morning, this morning, 60 years later, we have with us the fruit of that mission. We have with us the fruit of the dream of one plotter, Esther Butler. And they just walked in because they've been with our young people. Folks, why don't you come on down? Uh, Why don't you give a warm welcome to our team from Taiwan? This is the fruit of a plotter. 60 years ago, we celebrate. And, you know, once we've been independent, we haven't had a need for a lot of missionaries. But Denny and Michelle Craker have been working with us for 28 years now and been part of this work here. And we're just, Michelle, would you stand up? And in case they didn't catch you walking in, but this is Michelle and Denny. And Denny, I just wondered, would you, would you just give us a little bit uh, about yourselves and your work there in, in Taiwan? It's great to be able to be back with you. I've been here once or twice over the years. Uh, it's, I grew up in northwest Pennsylvania. My wife's from South Jersey. Uh, we met in Kentucky at Asbury, now university. And 28 years ago, after getting married, we went to Taiwan. I uh, went through language school. Uh, Michelle now is working in the um, MK school. It's called Morrison Christian Academy in the high school counseling center. I am, um, preach and teach in our churches uh, there in Taiwan, uh, as well as doing uh, leadership training and pastoral care and counseling in the greater Chinese community as well. How about your family? Well, we have three daughters. Uh, all were born and raised there. Stephanie actually is on a one-year round-the-world missions trip right now. She's in uh, Zambia, Africa at the moment, and will be in East Africa for the next um, couple months and then head to India and then to China and Taiwan. Our second daughter, uh, Heather, is in, uh, just moved to South Carolina. Her husband just got accepted into medical school, and Heather is an, a special ed teacher. They are planning and preparing for mission work with doing medical missions uh, in the future. And then our youngest, Jennifer, uh, she is in nursing school, and her husband, John, they're in Birmingham, Alabama, and he just got accepted into graduate school in community health, and they are also wanting to do third world missions. Great. I was thinking the same thing. could you maybe just give us, I, I know a, a day in the life of yours probably could be very varied, so a week in the life uh, of Denny Craker, what's, what's it like? What kind of activities are you involved in? How, how are you involved in ministry there? Uh, well, Michelle's life is a lot more regular and, and normal uh, because she goes to the school every day and is working, you know, helping the students, uh, especially with doing, she helps the seniors 
uh, well, the students with all the college testing, ACT, SAT, AP testing, uh, doing all the college applications, uh, all that kind of stuff, scheduling, transcripts. And so her, her life there is a lot more regular. Uh, we do mentoring of students and lead Bible studies. Uh, I, at, right now, in this part of my ministry, uh, going around and teaching and, and preaching our churches and in a seminary there uh, on the island, but then also go across the straits and do uh, leadership training in the, in the um, greater Chinese community. So how can we be praying for you and, and your family and your work? Uh, pray especially just that God will continue to give us an anointing of his spirit as we uh, minister there. Uh, pray especially for Michelle because I'm gone a lot with uh, traveling on my, my trips. Uh, so now that we're in an empty nest syndrome, uh, she's there a lot by herself. So just pray for her. Uh, pray for me for safety as I travel, especially in the very delicate work that I'm doing in the greater Chinese community. Uh, and then also as I, um, and there's just so many needs, I just need uh, wisdom to know how to plan, uh, what opportunities to take advantage of and which ones that I have to sort of back away from. Uh, so, and then pray for our girls as they and their husbands are preparing for missionary work. It's, it's a great um, blessing and honor for us to be able to see all of our girls involved in mission work and to continue to carry that on and, and expand that influence. Uh, pray especially right now for a visa to be able to go uh, to the greater Chinese community because I'm applying for that next week. Great, great. All right. Well, would you introduce us to Pastor Dennis and he's going to come up and share with us. Uh, the leader of the team is Pastor Dennis Lay, Reverend Lay, and so uh, uh, he is pastoring one of the churches, Northside Friends Church uh, in Dodger, uh, which is in the Taipei area, and I'll have him introduce the team. Okay. I'd like to greet everybody. Okay. 那么我们的队里面呢，有几位牧师、师母。So uh, we've come from the Taiwan Yearly Meeting, and we have a couple of pastors and pastors' wives. 还有一些台湾贵格会很重要的同工。As uh, well as some of the co-workers, uh, important co-workers of our of our group. 在一九九四年，我来过你们教会。So I, I actually came to your church in nineteen uh, uh, back in nineteen ninety four.是我们的青年呃福音队。and that was when our youth ministry team came and ministered here. 好像在这个Gene,这个运动,体育馆的旁边有一个房间,里面我看到the Russell Zinn的照片。So I saw uh, out here someplace uh, the pictures for uh, Russ and Esther Zinn. 感谢主,你们猜派来的这些宣教士,让我们非常的感动。so I would like to just thank the Lord for the fact that the missionaries that you have sent um, have um, given us a lot of help. So it's not just us that feel like the missionaries that you've sent have been especially um, uh, good, but um, others in other denominations there in Taiwan have told us that as well. So the, the others in, uh, those in other denominations that have uh, shared with us, they said that your missionaries that you've sent are like angels for us. <laughs> so it's a result of your prayers. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay,
Just another question before we, we close this. I, I asked uh, Denny how we could pray for him, but how can we pray for you, Dennis, and for the work in Taiwan? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, we're so very thankful for uh, the Eastern region, for sending the missionaries there, for all that you've done in your prayers. And as we've come to the States on this trip, uh, we want to be able to learn all that we can from you as we are here. And so pray for that. And we want to take what we have learned and to continue to pass it on as we go uh, back to Taiwan and to other places. And so we want to have that abundant uh, knowledge that we gain and to be able to pass that on. So we want to be a good steward of what we have and use it for kingdom more. So we want to be able to share the truth with those uh, that we, we share it with. We want them to understand uh, the salvation that God has given us and that none would perish. So pray for us. We'll do that. You know, this is the fruit of what happens when people are committed to being plotters. To just say, I'm going to share the Lord with whoever I come across. I'm going to be obedient to where God has me. I don't have to be out front. I don't have to be the star. But I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to be consistent. And 60 years of work in China. And now we celebrate 60 years of work in Taiwan. And it's so great to have you folks with us. We just appreciate it. In fact, and I close with this as far as this message goes. And it's the, what we learned from Andrew. And I think we learned it from Esther Butler. And we learned it from everybody who's been a plotter. But Andrew shows us that one person has the potential to reach multitudes for Christ. One person has the potential to reach multitudes for Christ. And through Esther Butler and her obedience, we have fruit here this morning. What kind of fruit could we have from your obedience to Christ? We're going to close in prayer. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for our brothers and our sisters that are here. We thank you for everyone gathered here. We thank you, Lord, for the church gathered around the world this morning that prays and gives glory and honor to you. And Lord, as, as Denny has asked for prayers for, for his work and for, Lord, strength and protection and for wisdom and, and Lord, for his family and, and for, Lord, being with Michelle and during these lonely times, we, we just lift them up to you. We pray that you would just wrap your arms around them, Lord, and, and they would know that you are just carrying them through these times, Amen. Lord, that they would continue to see your hand work mighty ways Amen. there at the academy, there, Lord, all through the island of Taiwan, and Lord, into China, and Lord, wherever you, they ste he steps his foot and they step their feet, Lord, may Amen. you just bless it. And Lord, as Pastor Dennis has asked us to pray this morning, and Lord, we think of these 60 years of work, and, and Lord, we, we know that, Lord, they're here to learn from us, but we know that we can learn much from them too. Lord, they have, they have been such an example to us, and Lord, of, of people who have stood up, and Lord, have carried the, the weight of this mission now, and Lord, they're on their own, and, and they're sharing the gospel of Jesus, not just in Taiwan, but Lord, all through Asia, they're taking the gospel. We pray for them, Lord. We pray that you would protect them on this trip. We pray that, that Lord, that you would open their 
hearts and minds and as they see things, Lord, that, that, they, would, that they would learn, but Lord, that they would also be uh, your, your light in the, in, here Amen. in America, that we would see them. And Lord, we thank you. We pray that as they go back home, that you would help them to be these uh, ministers, that you would open the, the, the island of Taiwan even more to, to, to the ministry, to their ministry, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, we just are thankful and, and we give you glory for what you've done over these 60 years and what you're going to do over the next 60, Lord, how many years it is until you return. We're going to serve you. We're going to serve you together. And we're going to continue to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. And we give you the praise. Amen. 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 Thank Thank you. you. And thank you for your sermon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.